This is Ringtones. Welcome to the continuation of the seventh episode of the All Boxing No Bullshit podcast. I am your host and walking coronavirus petri dish, Jason Langendorf. I am sick as a dog. Don't really want to be here, but uh, but I got to bring it to you. This is the the second half of our episode with Steve Cunningham, the two-time cruiserweight titleist uh, and thought provoker. Uh, Steve and I had a lot to talk about. Um, He shared his thoughts about his career, his family, uh, social justice, his burgeoning comics career, um, just about everything under the sun. Um, So we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, Don't forget to check the site for my previous interview with Steve, and then also be sure you listen to the first half of this episode. Um, There's lots of really good content here. Did I just say content? What the fuck? It's it's just talking. It's just talking. It's just an interview, uh, but it's a good one. So so be sure to tune in, check it out, um, enjoy. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, Facebook at Ringtones Pod. Uh, review, rate, all that good stuff. Uh, let us know how we're doing here. And uh, with that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Steve. But first, and now we pick up the conversation with Steve USS Cunningham. You last fought uh, in 2017, August of 2017, right? Yep. So as I was digging around and I, and I uh, you know, saw these other things on social media. I, I, it took me a while to find, but there was a video of you um, talking about how you had retired. Um, and I, I hadn't heard anything between now and then that it was official. Uh, but you talked a little bit about how there was some kind of politics involved. Can you explain that? Yeah. A little bit? So after, during that fight, which was fight, I fought Floyd Mayweather's cruiserweight, Andrew Tabidi. Um, undefeated kid called the Beast, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I, I prepared for the Beast. You know, I didn't prepare for the freaking Lion Cub. You know, um, and and I didn't think because I've been in boxing at that time what seventeen years. I knew, you know, from my experiences in boxing and seeing the Lion Cub fighting like that, tippy tapping, hugging and holding and running. He doesn't get the rounds, you know, over the guy who's trying to make the fight and landing more punches. So once he got the, the unanimous decision, I was I was in I was all like whoa, and I um I got pulled to the side in the back by a promoter, a prominent promoter. I didn't even make it to my locker room yet, and he was like, "Hey, Steve, listen," he said, "Man, you're 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 40 years old or you're 41. Um, you should um." You can't stick around because they'll just use you. You know, you'll be you'll be the guy. You'll be the, you'll be they'll be using you to be on the guy's record, the undefeated guy's record from now. On. You right, know? You're, you're, um, you'll be essentially well, the gatekeeper. Right, and he's like they're gonna keep doing this to you because I mean I, I mean I, I felt I was cheated a lot. A lot of other people felt I was cheated too, and I mean. When you're going back, when you get out the ring and the, and the Las Vegas commissioner tells you, dude, you won that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know this guy from, from Joe Schmo. 
And I, that's all I was getting. And it's like, once you hear that, and it's like, oh, these guys are going to just keep doing this to me. So being as though this kid was Floyd Mayweather's guy, it was a Floyd, it was the Floyd Mayweather versus McGregor undercard mm. in Las Vegas. I saw, that was my first time fighting on pay-per-view in my whole career. Especially right? my first time fighting. Yeah, that was it. Yep, that was my first time. And it was my first time fighting on a Floyd Mayweather card in Vegas. At that point, I saw how Floyd owned Las Vegas. He owns that town. Hmm. You know, Las Vegas is Floyd's town. And Floyd's not losing. His promotion's not losing. Floyd's not losing in Las Vegas. Put it like that. And Floyd doesn't need any help. You know, he he's, he's a great boxer. But a guys like Tabidi needed that help. Um, I believe, and, and oh man, this is unbelievable. Yeah, we're talking about this right now. So at the time, I was telling people from my experience, I'm like, yo, I believe this dude was told to run and hold and he'll win the fight, just survive, hmm. just make it through the fight. Because we heard guys from his, word was getting from his camp that the trainers were like, were trying to motivate him by being like, yo, you fighting the dude that knocked Tyson Fury down. He almost knocked Tyson Fury out. <laughs> so they're thinking they're motivating the kid. They're scaring this kid out of his freaking wits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when he when I hit him with a right hand in the first round, it was a solid right hand. Boom. His eyes got so big, so wide, and he just ran. And I'm like, is you going to do it? I'm talking to him in the ring. I'm like, dude, you really doing this? You know, so um, let's fast forward. Um, last week, I'm in Philadelphia commentating, and I ran into my, my buddy who works my corner, uh, Big John. And he's like, man, it's a small world, man. Um, I was at a at a um, was it Spade game somewhere in Virginia. Go ahead, go 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 pee. And he was like, I was at a Spade game in Virginia, and uh, you never guess who was um part of the game. And I'm like, who? He was like Tabidi's brother. He was in the corner, you know, with Tabidi. So he goes while they're playing the game. He's like, um, I told him, I'm like, dude, you don't know who I am, do you? And he was like, no, no. So he was like, I, I'm, I, I was in Steve Cunningham's corner. I'm his, I'm his dude. When he fought Chabidi, and he was like, oh man. So he basically told him, he was like, man, the game plan was to run and hold. <laughs> oh, he, he told him that, huh? He told him that, and I was like, wow. And so my friend John, who was at the game, me and him, not we didn't have words, but he kind of when he got back to Philly. We were all on the same page. We got robbed. We got robbed. But then he got with some friends who were like, well, dude was touching Steve a little bit and this and that. So me and John were kind of at odds with He's like, man, he was touching you a little bit here, a little bit there. But I'm like, John, those aren't scoring blows. You know, like I'm landing the power shots and, and I'm pressing the fight. So then when he told me, he kind of was like, yeah, you was right. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah, you was right. He said the plan was to hold and run, you know. And I was like, yo, these mother effers are. <laughs> but, but um, you know, so stuff like that makes it political for me because Steve Cunningham, I never had the promotion behind me to protect me. I never had that. I mean, I, I don't want to keep you all night with some story, but I got stories, dude, and... <laughs> You know, I got stories. We're going to write a book, most definitely. That's happening. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to wait until I officially retire and um, 
and uh, then I'm going to just let it, you know, it's not let it, it's let it out the back, and it, but it's not fabricating anything. It's it's telling the truth. You know, this is my experience. This is what happened. If if it puts you in a bad light, uh, promoter or promoters or managers, then you shouldn't have did it. <laughs> you know. Now, now hold on, because you just you just said you're going to wait till you officially retire. Is it? Is it oh, not yeah, official? No doubt. Oh no, okay. it's not official. I, so what 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 I did was so after that talk with that promoter. Get out of there. <clears throat> After that talk with that promoter, I um my plan was to all right, you know what, I'm gonna retire. But I- I'm like, I'm gonna retire, I wanna do one more fight. You know, I wanna do one more fight or two more fights, then I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, basically and, and and it's like I'm not going after belts anymore. Cause that that last fight was for the USBA cruiserweight championship, you know, national mm-hmm. title. So I'm like I told Al Haney, I'm like, listen, Al, let me just, I just want to do a couple, I just want to do one more fight that we could sell to television. You know, match me up with somebody that, that you know, we, we get it on and I'll go out like that. Because my, my mindset is, this is me. I'm a, I'm a realist, you know. I, I, I'm 43 now. Right. But I'm always working. I mean, I live the same way that I've always lived. In I, I'm, shoot, I just did 12 rounds today with a weighted suit on. You know, uh, twelve rounds uh, with a thirty, forty pound suit on. So, and I spar, I spar all the time. So, I know I'm physically right. Um, so I told Al, like, listen, I just wanna, I'm not chasing belts. Let's just make a fight, and then I'll be done. So he's like, all right, we'll see what we can get. So we had a couple dates fall out past couple years, but it's good that I had the time. I basically really took one year off and got my gym rolling. What's the name of your gym? And USS Fight Academy. Okay. So we took the time, got the gym rolling. We we got uh, a nice amateur program coming out of there. We actually got the best fighters. Like I said, we got three nationally ranked fighters. We got the best fighters in Pittsburgh, period. Okay. And you're training <laughs> in this them? area. Yes, I'm training them. I have two other trainers that help. But uh, you know, I'm the head trainer and uh, we get it in we travel like i said we go to reno we got all these national tournaments we travel and i'm a, that's what i'm about i'm about getting busy. These guys in. very busy man <laughs> what about the you get the, old when you don't when you stop moving man <laughs> well the 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 fight commentary you know you, you're i didn't realize you were doing that how long has that been you mentioned you you called some fights with sugar ray how long you been doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called fights for NBC years ago. I probably called about twelve fights, ten, twelve fights. I can't believe I missed um, all that. Yeah, you know, NBC. I've been, I've, I've, I've helped call fights on NBC. I've, I've called fights on FS1 probably two, three, or probably three times. Um, this one was FS1, and uh, basically they were looking at me because we've been, we've been talking with Al Heyman about getting a contract with okay. one of these networks, PBC, and. That's been always in the works. I was been like, yeah, great. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he told me last year, like, hey, next year is the year. I got all these dates. I got these new networks. We're trying to get you in there. And we got the call about three weeks ago. Like, hey, bro, we want you to um, we want you to commentate the FS1 version of the um, J-Rock undercard. And I was like, what? I was about to call Alan and be like, yo, can I get tickets to go see the J-Rock fight? <laughs> <laughs> Front My road. wife hit me up. Yeah, right. My wife was like, "You're not only going to the J Rock fight, but you're commentating the undercard." I'm like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> so we um we were in the house, man, and and you know 
by the grace of the most high, we were able to, um, we all, the producers, man. So they're, uh, hopefully, um, I should be getting higher here. Okay. So, you know, so is, that something, is that something that you're looking to do as a, as a long-term gig? Like, is that, is that just part of the mix the same as, as training and. Oh yeah. That, no, that's, that's always been a, a back end thought while I was a champion. Stop Musai. Okay. Because, you know, people, you know, you know, people are like, man, you, you talk clear, you articulate, you're this, you're that, you, you, you got a good TV face, you can do commentating. And, you know, I've been hearing that all my career. And then I finally got the opportunity to start dabbling with it in it. Uh, shout out to Mark Abrams, who helped me get my first commentary <laughs> um, set up in Philly at Little Shows. And, um, man, I got the opportunity for NBC and I jumped on it and we did it and they liked it. So that's always been like an exit strategy or I wouldn't even say exit strategy, just, just part of another way of generating another career. Yeah. The next step after. Yeah. The next step right out the ring. Yeah. So it's, it's happening, you know, it's happening. I'm right here. I just, like I said, though, I, I still have that fire in me, that spark. I still have that in me now, now on, on all reality. I could fight until I'm 47 and, and be competitive. That's no bull. But, like I said, I'm a realist. I'm not going to. I don't want to hang around that long. You know, um, I really don't. Even even if I could generate three, four hundred thousand. Listen, I'm I'm ready to pass the torch to my boys. You know, I kind of have already to an extent, but I'm still holding on because I'm like, man, I got I got one or two more left. You know, and I, that I want to do. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not going out on that to be the fight. <laughs> that is was that the, is that the hardest thing for for fighters. You know, because we see it a lot. We see a lot of fighters, they hang on too yeah. long. Is that the hardest yeah. thing when you're in, you're in good shape? You feel like you're just as sharp as you ever were, but you're more experienced than ever, obviously. And yeah. is, it, is it tough to be able to tell yourself, okay, this is, this is the time. This is the time to get out. Like, we're, we're done. Nah, yeah, not, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not for me. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to do it. Okay. I'd have did it by now. If if I would have like if the fight last summer would have would have um went through, I, it would have I, I'd have I'd have been retired. I'd have officially. Retired. Oh, that would have been it. Okay. Yeah, that would have been it. I'm not I'm not a me getting here do one or two, then do two or three, then beating getting beat up. Nah, I am cool. <laughs> <laughs> I am completely happy with where I um or what I've done in the, in in the sport. I am um very content and happy with my contribution to boxing um but i i do want to do just one more fight i want to go out on my turn you know what you i mean you, i want to do it like that you just don't want to end on that tabidi fight right because that i mean it was it was what it was you know so, so I, i'm like and and i i was like okay well i'm gonna do is just see that so we'll see man and but let's let's go and i always think like man what if but what if i don't get to fight and I and and within the next like year, I'm gonna have to retire, you know. And I, I it will it will burn me for <laughs> it will bother me for a while. But um, no, it'll, it'll bother me for a while. <laughs> but you you have enough going on. It seems like that that helps when you like like all professional athletes. If you have, I mean, it's not yeah. the same. It's not the same as stepping into the ring. It's not no doubt the same competitive fire all that. But like you've. You, you get to you get to stay in boxing 
through all yeah. these other channels. You're, yep. you know, you're, you're part of your boys experience. You're, you're at the fights. You're, you're, you're involved. It seems like you've got enough other things going on that there, that's at least kind of helps the transition, right? Indeed. It totally does. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth, having a gym that's, that's, that has the ability to bring in income uh, or having other streams of income is a big help is a huger help than anything because there was times where we were, we were taking loans on our uh, purse hmm. to stay afloat because I'm fighting once a damn year messing with Don King, you know? And it's like, damn, Don, yo, I'm a world champion. I'm so, I, shall, I pray to fight two, three times this year where I can make 150,000 plus a fight. You know, then I, that's when the fighter, that's when you, that's when you stack your bread. You got the belt. I want to fight, damn, every three months, every four months, if possible. <clears throat> Twice a year, three times a year. This guy's got me. I'm, I'm the champ, and this guy's sending me to Europe <laughs> once a year. <laughs> like, what the freak, man? And well, that it was wasn't. That was something I was okay. going to ask you about because you were you were talking about boxing politics and and you got. Yeah. I feel like you, maybe not burned, but you know you. You, you didn't catch some of the breaks that other guys have caught right. as far as, you know, right. you, you spent a lot of your, your prime years fighting in, in Germany and Europe. Um, yeah. You caught a lot of guys on their home turf. Yep. And, you know, I think a lot of people would agree you were maybe on the, on the bad end of, of some a few decisions, but it just, Indeed. And, and and what you talked about, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today, just the idea of, you know, your prime years were really before YouTube and, and social media. Oh, yeah. And, Indeed, uh, man. Yeah, Indeed. and I mean, all these, all these ways that you can, you can pump up a fighter. I look at a guy like, like Yusick, you know. You know, yeah. people talk about yeah. cruiser, cruiserweight, you know, isn't – it's not the glamour division, blah, blah, blah. But right. Yusick is a star right now, and he just barely speaks He's English. A star. Um, He's a star. Exactly. He's a star. So it, it almost feels like you missed a window a little bit. Big time. I mean, and big time. You have guys like Usyk, who is one, he's European, so the American fan base are comfortable with him, you know, uh, especially being a champion. I, I do want to talk about race and boxing. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. We have to. We have to. I mean, I was with a promoter who was in the business of the European fighter. And this promoter, their guys couldn't lose. You know, their guys wasn't going to lose to you American fighters. And I, I lost a, a fight that I clearly won. I lost a fight that I clearly won on NBC. Um... First, they said it was by draw. Go, go upstairs. Go upstairs and lay down. First, they said it was by draw. Then it was, oh, split decision win for Adamick. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how? I was so shocked. I had no facial expression. I was that shocked. So um, on that note, that promoter, we knew it was the promoter. Because on the um, replay, we saw the promoter and the commissioner. After they said, oh, it's a draw. 
We're like, what the hell? Then the announcer, Michael Buffer, goes, hey, they're going to redo the scores because they got something wrong. So we're now I'm looking at Nazim like, damn right, did they get this crap right? Shoot, how the hell they messed that up? <laughs> and on the highlight, I mean, on the replay, you see the commissioner, Greg Serb, Pennsylvania's commissioner, and my promoter, Kathy Duva, with the scorecards, scratching off and writing down. And, you know, and then they, and I'm like, what the, what the, is that how it goes? You know, and Adam McWins. And I'm like, yo, this, this is unbelievable. So um, then you had the guy that, another guy that she had, Glasgow. The Olympian, remember Glasgow? This dude couldn't lose if he freaking got knocked out. He wouldn't have lost. <laughs> Malik Scott beat him. Clearly outboxed him. Ross Purity clearly beat him. Out hustled him. Uh, Eddie Chambers was it? No, no. Eddie Chambers beat Adam with one arm, and they robbed Adam. I mean, they robbed Eddie. But that was the same promotion, main event. Um, so the European fighters were not losing. Um, then I fought Glasgow on HBO for the number one spot to fight Vladimir after I stopped the Mir Mansour. And um, this dude somehow, I mean, I, I spanked this kid. You know, I really spanked him. Outclassed him, outboxed him, outroughed him up a bit. It was, it, he, he probably won three rounds throughout that whole fight. Uh, three or four rounds. Let's give him four. I, I try to be generous. You know, I'll give him four rounds out of 12. And Glasgow wins, and, and, and I'm like, yo, are you effing kidding me? Like, this dude cannot lose with main events. He can't lose. And it's because Kathy Duva, they are in the European fighter business. Look at the stable. Look at her, look at her top fighters. She, ne she hasn't had a top American fighter since I don't know when. Like, like one that she's really promoted and pushed out there. Who? Because she surely didn't promote me like that. Now, how does that how does that happen though? How does that you you because you mentioned like you know let's talk about race. So so basically, so basically, and this this could uh, I, I don't even want to try to sound modern. You know what I'm saying? That's it. I'm just going to sound like the way it sounds. The European fighters they bring fans. You know, for some reason, the black fighter in America, you have to be the bad guy. You have to be the buffoon Broner. <laughs> you have to be the bad guy, Floyd, in order to bring, in order to fill seats. In this, you have to be a damn, you have to just be a dickhead on the positive or negative side in order to bring fans in. So they're going to hate you or, or just want to see you lose and want to see you lose to come to pay for your seat, to pay, to pay for your ticket. So with the European fighter, that's not like that. I saw Adamic. Uh, an hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes away from Philadelphia, right? For my world title. First fight in, in America, in Newark, New Jersey. This dude had a third of the venue full of Polish people from Chicago, New York, Jersey, mm -hmm. you know? So, but, but then there was Steve Cunningham from Philly. Who knows? I mean, I had my people I knew there. Um, the, the Usyk, Lomachenko, and the other, the light heavyweight guy that they had from the Ukraine, they fought mm -hmm. in Delaware, I believe, a couple years ago. And I'm watching it on TV, and when they, when they announced 
the Ukrainians, Usyk, Lomachenko, the whole arena went nuts. When they announced the black guy from freaking Baltimore, <laughs> it was crickets. <laughs> you know, uh, let me so, ask you, though. Let me ask you this. Yeah. That, and, and, I, and it's because, honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a complex situation. Is it, it is. Is it that the fan base isn't there? Is it that you don't get promoted the right way? Is it – I mean, because I think people look back and they see, you know, you can talk about Ali, you can go back to Joe Lewis, you can go – I mean, you can go way mm-hmm. back with this and say there, there was this rooting interest against black fighters in America. Right, right. And it, was, it was positioned that way years yeah. ago. And I think, you know, people want to feel like, oh, hey, we've evolved and people are – you know, we're, we're, we're in a better place now, but, mm. but I mean, <laughs> I, I look at a guy like Jamel Herring, who's, who kind of is, has a, a little bit of a parallel, uh, uh, career path as you in terms of, right. you know, his profile and, and, uh, military. Service. Yeah. Um, and it, in some ways I feel like, yeah, you should like, like you said of yourself, he should be a, he should be a bigger draw. He should be a bigger fighter yeah. based on, some of that as as uh as a draw but it's but it's interesting because like you said like you got to be the bad guy you got to be the buffoon but is it, yeah. is it is that only for black yep. fighters is it for is that across the board in in boxing because it, it does seem like you know you got these press conferences you got these weigh-ins where guys are starting all kinds of ridiculous shit and it's and it's yep. like oh we got to sell the fight we got to sell the fight it's like no yeah. man like boxing fans want to see good fights Right, exactly. Now, now I'm glad you brought that up. Look at look at the white fighters we had, the white champions. Kelly Pavlik, he wasn't a buffoon. He wasn't selling the fight at the at the wet press conference. He wasn't choking anybody or slamming anybody at the press conference. He sold out. He his whole city showed up, and probably his state. <laughs> you know, Youngstown. They showed up. They supported. Take Bernard Hopkins. Just beat Felix Trinidad. Mm. Next fight, next fight was Philadelphia Spectrum. I fought on that undercard. Okay. It was it was empty seats, front uh, four rows back from the floor, empty mm-hmm. seats. You know, um, look at Andre Ward. Andre Ward isn't a big draw, you know, but this dude is possibly the most perfect fighter of many generations, you know. And, and but he can't sell spots. Now let me he ask you this though. Let me ask you this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Yes, sir. You look at a guy like Pavlik. Yeah. Big, big, big hitter. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's, true, also, true. he's also a little unique in the sense that you don't see a lot of white guys at the top, a lot of white fighters exactly. at the top. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. But also, right. also you, got, uh, you got Andre Ward, you got B-Hop. Not always the most pleasing visually to, yeah. to, to watch as fighters. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but yeah, your point, to your point is totally taken. Is there, is there something more? Like, do you feel like then these guys are not getting promoted in the right way? I believe, I believe it's that. I believe, I believe it's a, a, a compounding of a few things. One being America is America. Yeah. You know, um, America loves their black fighters when they're animals, when they're ignorant, when they're the excuse the word when they act like a nigga, you know, Broner, Broner gets the love or not even love. He, he gets the attention. There we go. Yeah. Floyd gets the attention because he's, you know, 
Broner and Floyd. Now, Floyd changed up after the Manny fight, and he said it. He said, I don't have to promote this one. You know, it's already promoted. Right. So he didn't he didn't do all the extra stuff. That's when Floyd, that's when we stopped seeing Floyd doing the extra stuff. He used to, you know, do some extra stuff kind of similar to Broner a little bit. Yeah. But Broner came along and took it to another level. And but but that's why Broner, shoot, I guarantee you by the end of twenty twenty, Broner's gonna be in another mega fight. Or or a big <laughs> fight. If 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 he wants to come back, you know, so um, because he made himself a, a character by by degrading himself, you know, by looking like a freaking fool. You have Steve Cunningham, and I can tell you this from experience. Now, this this don't have anything to do with race or anything, but or, or probably who knows. But my my at the time publicist Mark Abrams contacted Comcast in our in our in Philly, and. Comcast Sports and was like, yo, Steve Cunningham just won title in Poland overseas. This is this is this is unique in boxing. Um just defended it in Germany, stopping the, the young undefeated guy in the twelfth. When you guys want to put him on or not? And they're like, Does you know, does he beat his wife? He got any drama with him? You know? <laughs> you know, so it's like, they wow, you like that. you guys Yeah. You know, and and it's like wow. So so my guy Mark was like, so if he beats his wife, you he's on there like yeah, no doubt. You know we want him, and it's like wow. wow. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, look, there's a lot. Win. There's a lot of that sort of yeah. under the surface, uh, you know, wink, wink kind of stuff that I think right. I think people, you know, controversy, right. sex, all that stuff sells. Yeah, but like it sells, yeah. but. But so say, it's not always it's not always that that like kind of bare on the surface like uh, you know just blatant that they just come right out right. and ask. Right now, now this is my thing with that sex sells. Why does controversy and sex sell? Because they push it. What if they push the good guy? Yeah, you know because that's what Steve Cunningham was. That's been my whole that's been my whole uh, like foundation in boxing is. Stay clean. You know what I mean? They're not going to have nothing on me. They're not going to be like, oh, Cunningham cheating on his wife. You know, uh, we got him at the club grinding up. You know, this and that, snorting coke. They're not going to have that on me. I'm I'm figuring I'm making myself marketable. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I'm making myself more marketable by doing that, living that way, than versus Broner. Broner's getting all the big fights. You know, even though he's losing, looking like crap, he's still getting to another big multi-million dollar fight. And it's like, wow, really? You know, really? But back to the race thing, the the European fighter, the American, the American boxing fan base will take to the European fighter way before they take to the African-American fighter, you know, uh, and more. They'll support them more than they do us. And, and you know, it, it's one of those, I have this thing about race and racism in America. We all are affected by what was done, you know, by the foundation of this country, uh, which is even in the television shit, the cartoons <laughs> yeah. that I grew up with. I'm in Jerry cartoons that yeah. we're finding out as adults. This is some racist ass shit. Like, yeah, yo, we, Lo we, Looney we, Tunes, you go far back enough, Looney yeah. Tunes, Mickey Mouse, all yeah. that. So all America's foundation on almost everything 
is racism. It's, it's in there. Racism is mixed into the foundation. So even black people are racist towards, or, or I won't say racist because that I can't say they're racist towards black people. You gotta have power to be racist, <laughs> but they're they're prejudiced or stereotypical towards each other because of that. You know so what? You just when, you just said something though. You just said something that that I think is a hugely important point. That yeah, if we're gonna get like let's let's go ahead and get preachy for a minute. Uh, let's do it, baby. You you said you said you have to have power to be racist. What? Tell me what yeah. that means to you. So when when in order for I've, I've, all right, here in the later, these later six, seven years since this police brutality and stuff, since black people have been speaking up about racism, you have a lot of white Americans screaming, oh, this is racist, that's racist. And it's like, wow, y'all, y'all really throwing that term around pretty fast, too. You know, it's like, so if I tell my daughter, I want her to marry and have children with another black man. So she can keep the black, quote unquote, black line going. Or I just want kids, children that are dark skinned like me. I, I, I would be considered a racist. I've seen a guy say that uh, actually yesterday on the show, on, on, on this thing that I watch. And he's like, yeah. so, so, you know, that's racist. And I'm like, how is that racist? Everybody does it. You know, how the fuck? We still got Italian people or, or Jewish people, you know, because they, they marry within for, for that reason. So there is no power. In order to be racist, racism is a system. Racism is a system. It's not something that you say that, oh, that's racism or that's racist. You know, what can I say that's racist? What I said was prejudice or bigoted, or bigotry. Being racist is a system backing you in your racism. So a so-called black person could never be a quote-unquote racist because this system doesn't back him thinking he's better than and than anybody else. You know what I'm saying? This system doesn't back him in holding anybody back in education, real estate, finance because of their skin color. But there has been and is a system in place that that did that and does that for white Americans. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there there is no system behind a black man quote unquote being what people would call racist. So that's not racism. That's not racism or him being racist. That's him being prejudiced or a bigot or just stupid. <laughs> you know, ignorant dumbass. Well let me but let me ask you this though, since just because you brought it up. Yeah. If, if your daughter ten years from now brought home yep. her, her boyfriend and, and he was a white guy, he's a Jewish guy. Yeah. That gonna, does that does that bother you? Does that does that mean anything nah. to you one way or the other? No, 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 it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. And I, when I say that, I mean that on the larger scale of, of people. Like if, if, if there were no, if there were no couples mingling with, with, within their nationality, and because race is a made up term by man <laughs> within our nationalities, yeah. um, there would be no more Caucasians. You know what I'm saying? There would be no more Negroid or, or whatever they want to call us. <laughs> You know, there would be no more, uh, you know, Mongolian, Asian. You know, it'd just be a freaking mixed melting pot, which is, <laughs> which is beautiful, but like, wow, there's just nobody's nothing now. We're all just this unisex, <laughs> uniform, unicrom. You know it's, what I mean? It's, it's just crazy. It's funny because I've talked a long time about how, you know, it's kind of a kind of a joke, but 
I've always said, yeah. you know, well, the world's going to be a lot better place when we're all just mutts. But, <laughs> I, but I, I don't, they'll find something. But I understand. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. But I also, yeah, no. I also understand the, the, the impulse and the instinct to like have that pride from where you come from and your roots. Exactly. And, it, and there's uniqueness in, hey, I'm, this is where I'm from Hawaii. Yeah. This is our tradition. This is what we do. Um, there's, and there's, there's pride in seeing your grandson look, look like you, look, yeah. you know, your features, your skin tone. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, people need to, we need to get out of these, I don't need, I want to say sissified feelings to just point a finger at somebody and call them something because, oh, that's racist or that's wrong. Why is that wrong? Why, why is me wanting my son or daughter to have kids that look like us wrong? You know, now it's wrong if they, it's wrong if they come back, if my son's come back with, a, with an Asian girl and I'm like, oh, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah, I hear you. You know what I mean? I hear you. That's wrong. Now that's where you're wrong at. Now, if my sons stay, whatever they whatever they fall in love with, that's that's hey, let's go. You know, you have children with it, that's family. Yeah. But I and I and let me also say this, I can prefer what I want. You know, but that don't mean a damn thing. That's their life. <laughs> right. You know? I, I your your sons your sons will probably only well, your sons and your daughter probably only take that so far even if you right, even exactly. if you had so, strong feelings about it and and then really you know how it goes if you're really staunch on it and you're drilling this into your kid's head you right. only, only, only marry black girls you better marry black girls first white girl they see <laughs> white stuff <laughs> well that's that's teenagers right yo right yeah so that yeah man it's just you know people are. I see, in America, I see a lot of white Americans are quick to use the word racist, that you're racist, or this is racism. I mean, nowadays, like crazy. And I told this one guy, I said, man, where was this use or, or where was this care of racism and racism in the 60s, yeah. 50s? You know, when my mom, who lived through segregation, whites only water fountains. And my mom had stories. My mom and my dad had those stories. That's not that far gone, you know, 30, 40, um, you know, 40 years. You know, where was this, 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 this in-depth concern about racism then, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the, you know, um, you know, it's, it's only, it's only wrong if somebody else is doing it. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, I don't want to keep you, I don't want to keep you all night, but I do got got a couple, I got a couple like rapid fire questions here for you. I want to go back Go back to boxing for a minute. All right, so best punch you ever threw? That overhand right, man. Tyson Fury. <laughs> That's, I'm still hey, getting listen, with <laughs> I, I, I remember watching that fight. That's still one of my favorite fights. It, it was, you know, was it NBC Saturday? It was a, they, they went back yep. to uh, uh, network television. Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. It was old school. Yep. And that was a great fight. I mean, that was yeah, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, who hits you the hardest? Ooh, who hit me the hardest? Uh, dang. Let me. Oh, oh. Ooh, sorry. By far, Mirror Man Sword. <laughs> oh, that crap was unbelievable. That second <laughs> knockdown hurt. I mean, the first knockdown was like a flash, like boom, I'm down. Oh snap! All right, let me get up. And I'm a char. I'm gonna hit him with the straight right. As soon as I got up, I threw the straight right. He walked through that. 
hit me with about two, three more. I was like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> that he's the he's the strongest, the hardest I've ever been punched with by him. What are you most proud of from your fighting career? Oh, what am I most proud of? I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of being one of the few guys, one of the few fighters who can say, I went overseas, won my world titles, and defended them there successfully. Yeah. Even though I, still, you know, I lost it there, which was some bull, but, you know, I've, I've, I've got about three defenses and two world titles in Europe. Which is not an easy task. No, it's not. <laughs> they got one judge in the in the pocket. <laughs> All right, so this is a little bit of a loaded question, but I want to hear what you have to say. Is is Philadelphia still a big deal in boxing? Oh, yeah, indeed. Big time. Big time. Philadelphia has two world – well, had with J-Rock losing those belts. We've got uh, Cool Boy Steph who has a belt. I mean, we've got Danny Garcia. We've got – Jerron Ennis coming down the pipe, who's going to be a world champion. Um, I mean, we got tons of fighters, man. The youth the amateur program is looking crazy sick, man. Philly is, yeah. Still hopping. Yeah. Still popping. Uh, who do you enjoy watching fight now? Mm, I, I enjoy – I really enjoy, like, a spin. I really enjoy I, I I don't have a particular fighter, you know. I I look at I look I can look at everybody and really get be like, yo, that was dope. But I do really enjoy Crawford's, the Garcias. Um I uh, really all right, the top one I enjoy watching is Wilder right now. And it's not yeah. because he knocks these dudes out. The reason I enjoy watching Wilder is because you see the transformation from fight to fight to fight to fight. Um, you see him getting much, you see him setting that right hand up better. You know, yeah, that's, you that's interesting. Like, you know, the he, way he did you, with O'Keefe. Well, and, and you mentioned, you first mentioned Crawford and Garcia, and then you went to Wilder. Yeah. I was like, huh, where's this going? But I, I, but yeah. I agree with you completely. I, I think a lot of people you know still I mean? see, so, I think a lot of people still see Wilder as, as this, you know, kind of, Loose nah. cannon, and I and I think I you like you said my, my, fight to fight. My viewpoint, right, my viewpoint on Wilder is people talk about, hey, dude can't box, he can't. And I'm like, yo, first, first thing with power like that, what the hell do I need to know how to box for? <laughs> you know what I mean? What do I need to know how to box for? I can I can flail my arms up and down, jump back flips for six rounds, and all I gotta do is land one right hand, and it's over. Well, and, and I think so the key can. is he knows how to lever. He's learning how to leverage that massive weapon. Because that's, that's how he got Ortiz was, was he, he yeah. had that little jab feint. And yeah. that was it. It was over. He's getting better and better as these fights go on. So, um, shoot, three years ago, remember when he forced the burn the first time. You see how wild he looked or, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and he forced the burn to a, to a decision. But then he came out the second fight and he looked just as wild because and and hey it's cool because I'm gonna hit him with something he going down I'm I, no no respect at all for for Severn that's how that was his mindset but then you go to the Fury fight he was anxious he was looping the right hand 
And then by the by the seventh, eighth round, that thing came out straight. Pop. Yeah. Got him. Then the twelfth. Pop. I mean eleven, whatever round it was, got him. And then then you come out to this um Ortiz fight. That was that was that was sweet science right there. And people won't give him that credit. But for me, that was sweet science what he did. No, I agree completely. Um Listen, I appreciate all the time you've given to me yet again. Um, yep. this, one, this one's going up, so you don't have to worry about it disappearing for three years. Right. Uh, but I'm, whether you get that last fight or not, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see you getting out while you're still in great shape. Uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and, I, and I wish you well, man. And, I, again, I appreciate all the time you've given. And, uh, and hopefully we'll talk again down the road. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Steve. All right, that's one for the books. Really enjoyed talking to Steve. Uh, good guy, lot to lot to say, lot to talk about, lot to think about. Um, and I just want to say one more time how much uh, we appreciate the time he's given us. Uh, we don't usually get that that kind of access to somebody as busy as Steve. So again, we appreciate that. Um, do me a favor, go to our social media pages. Uh, go to your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, leave us reviews. Leave us ratings. Tell us how great we are. Tell us we suck. Whatever. All feedback's good feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at, at RingtonesPod. Pod, um, and, and just check in. Let us know. The stuff makes a difference. So uh, give us a shout, and uh, we will be back very soon. Until next time.